we're going to talk about is the Bible. Um, this, we, we, we're trying to make Christianity and our walk with God too difficult. But sometimes the simple things are the things that we just ignore. Um, if you were to read this Bible daily, and I'm not talking about in a religious way to check the box. I'm talking about just read it. Get to know it. That it would become so fresh in your mind that it would basically dispel a lot of the sin and, and the things that we try to work really hard to overcome, the weaknesses in our life. Um, it's kind of like the the theory of displacement. Who was the, the Greek guy who came up with that? Anybody remember? Was it Aristotle? I'm not sure. We don't have one. What was it? Socrates. No, not Socrates. I'd know it if I heard it. But anyway... Da Vinci? No, no, it was way before that. Da Vinci uh, helicopter. But uh, it was, he's trying, he, he, you know, those, those Greek philosophers, they would think on stuff and think on stuff and think on stuff, and he was wearing himself out, and he said, forget it, I'm just going to go take a bath. And uh, he goes and jumps in the bath, and the water came out over the edges. And he, <laughs> there's a story, it, it hit him right at that time about displacement. And he jumped out of the bathtub, went running down the street, yelling, Eureka, Eureka. And in the Greek, that means I found it. I found it. What it, it, it hit him. He'd been, he'd been trying to work this theory out until he got in the bathtub and the water came out. He didn't understand. It finally hit him and he understood it. His subconscious kind of finally caught up and, and basically taught his conscious what, what he'd been seeking. And displacement, God is the same way. If we don't fill our life with the Word of God, something else will. Something else will. Exactly. Archimedes. Is that who it was? Archimedes? Yeah, that sounds right. Something else will fill it. It's simple. It's that simple, but I think the reason why we don't is we, whether we admit it or, or whether we're not conscious of thinking of it, we keep thinking of this as a book. And this is far more than a book. The Scripture says the, the Word of God is living, and I think Jesus said it, the, the Word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts all the way to the marrow. The Word is living and powerful out of here. So if you read it with that intent, it displaces, it starts displacing the, our weaknesses, the sin in our life, all those kind of things. And we're going to read maybe the whole Psalm 119 because it's, it's unbelievable. And I think David wrote that, but I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, in, in Ephesians, Paul talks about how, how we're filled with the fullness of God. This is part of that being filled with the fullness of God. It's uh don't read no, you're not gonna read it. I mean you can read it, but not yet. Oh. <laughs> um it, it's like you know, the devil has so many schemes. Like I I use uh Logos app app on my phone sometimes when I'm searching for words and stuff and I don't have my Bible, and that's fine. But if I rely on that phone to read the Word, I guarantee you there's not one person in here who wouldn't get more than 10 minutes into it and they're checking their Facebook or they're doing something like that. So why would we do that? Because that's what they read about their TV. No, I think it's easy. It's it's easy, but look look what happens. You, You never get where you need to be because of the distraction of that device. Satan's laughing all the way. Yeah, you can put as much Bible on there as you want. I know you won't read more than ten minutes of it. And you'll be you'll be looking at you'll be looking at Facebook, but it should be. That's what I'm getting at. If you're being filled with with the Spirit of God, it becomes addictive. 
it becomes necessary. It becomes food. And I'm not saying I'm even close to where I should be with that, but, but that's, I can't go a day without starting having withdrawals if I don't read the Bible. I don't know very many. I know a lot of people. Well, I'm 51. I know a lot of people. But I don't know how they live their lives inside their home. But you're the only one I've ever met that does what you do. But I just, but I can't help it. it the more I, the more I get into it, the more it becomes obsessive. And that's not a bad thing with this, because it it it, it brings up so much things. I mean, it brings to surface all your sin, and you see it. And pretty soon, when you get so in tune with the word. You're wanting to please God. And, that, and that's another thing. I am the worst in the last few months talking about how what we need to do for the kingdom and all those kind of things. And that's true. But, I'm, but I've been missing a, a huge point. Even if I focus on my brothers and sisters and bringing them up as in discipleship and those things, those things are right but I'm missing a key ingredient that's in here. And that's what does God want? What does God want from me? Does he want to commission me to disciple? Absolutely. But what does he really want and desire? And you're going to find the answer in here. The biggest thing that he wants and desires that we totally neglect because we're man-pleasers is worship. He wants our worship. And we read this, we'll find that. Um, so at some point, this meeting here is going to turn into something a little different. It's got to. The study of the Word is imperative, but it can't be done without true worship of God and reverence for Him. Uh, there, is, there was a man... They might have called him, uh, I think they called him the man of faith. I, I can't remember the exact terminology they used. His name was, uh, what was his name? Did I write it down? Let me see if I wrote it down. Murphy, I think his name was. Gosh dang, I can't remember. Um, George Mueller in Bristol, England, years ago, he established at least one big orphanage, maybe more. They said that he read through the entire Bible. Forty-eight times. Not only that, he read through the whole Bible. Forty-eight times on his knees, out loud. There were times he would have all the kids in that orphanage go sit down at their great big dinner table. Without One thing to eat. <coughs> he would start reading aloud from the Bible. Hey, we got some food for the kids. Multiple times that happened. That's a guy who's had a handle on faith. You know, and I, I'm going to start changing some things in my in my house. You know, you know the the Thanksgiving for your meal and all that's important. We don't hardly ever do that. We probably should, but there should probably be just some reverence and reading the Bible before we have our meal as a family. Probably should be done. That's what they did in the Old Testament. They knew it when, when uh, the the priests were chaining young ones about the Torah and all that stuff. One of their first lessons was they they put the Torah out there and they put a a penny. It wasn't really a penny. It was something similar, whatever their money was. 
and they'd put honey on there. And they'd make that kid lick that honey off. And, and that, that was her first lesson. They would say, this is the word of God. It's sweet in your mouth. And that money will never buy the wisdom that you'll find in, in, this, in the law. You know, that's, that's how much reverence they had in that. Now, it can turn into a ritual and a religious check the box, and it'll be like you're reading Harry Potter. It won't mean anything. But to really get into the Word of God, that's where, that's the simplest thing in this walk with God, is this Bible. Getting into it. And I have, I, I read Brother Stephen stuff, I read Larry Harper stuff, uh, Brighton, uh, his name was Brighton, he's dead, he's from Springfield. Uh, any of those guys that, that put truth on the scriptures, I'm into it. I want to find it. The rest of them, I can, I can know in one page of a book whether this guy is anointed from God. And I'm not bragging, I'm not patting myself on the back, I just know. And the Lord says that. You'll know them, whether it's true or not. The scripture says that, and that's the truth. But I have learned that from the obedience of the scripture and having the spirit guide me and, and give me those, that kind of knowledge. That's where that come, comes from. You know, some of these old guys of faith, I, Abraham, he says he knew he was as good as dead and that, that Sarah's womb was dead. He knew it. He knew, he, he understood that reality. It's right there. Look at me, I look like I'm 95. That woman right there, she don't have a chance in hell having no kid. Look at her, she's, she's old white-headed. There's no way. But he understood that reality, but he also understood the word that he got from God. And that was that he'd be a father of many nations. What was more reality? I mean, it wasn't any more real than him being old and Sarah being old. But what was more reality to Abraham was the fact that God told him he would be a father of many nations. And that's what he held on to, even though he was crippling himself out the door every morning because he's old and his bones ached. That was reality, but he knew there was a greater reality because of the Word of God. Um, in old, the old country schools, old one-room uh, schoolrooms, they would have... From first grade all the way to twelfth grade, all in one room. Little house. Yeah, like little house. And one thing they used to do, which was which was cool and something that that's that's missing, is they would make those students, all of them, read out loud. From first grade all the way to twelfth grade, they always read out loud. They they understood that there was something about that spoken word that was important. I'm not saying that reading silent isn't. It is. You know, you can get through things and, and really go through things, but there's something about reading it loud, too. Jesus says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. So there's a spoken confession. So, so there's all aspects of this, aspects of this that are important. That's, that's, I think that's why I, I like us to read at these Bible studies. There's something about voicing it. It releases some of the power of God in it. Um, oh, is Psalm 119? When we get into it, it's a lot. And they they used to sing that. That was, that was, that was a song. It was a song that the Israelites used to sing that as a song, so they memorized that whole thing. That's how much reverence they had for the Word of God. That's pretty impressive, if you ask me. Uh, you, you know, the Word of God, we find all the attributes of God. We find His character. We find out who He really is. It's 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 a guide. It's a mentor. It's living. It changes us. It displaces the evil. We fill ourselves with that. Uh, let's just go ahead and go to 19 and start reading some of that. 119. 119, I'm sorry. All right, uh, Cash, you read uh, 1 through 8. Okay. 
Alice. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimony, who seek him with all their heart. They also do know unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. You have ordained your precepts that we should keep him diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed. When I look upon all your commandments, I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgment, I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. That whole, that whole section right there, talking about keeping his statutes, observing his testimonies, you can tell, and I'm pretty sure this was David that wrote this. I'm not positive. But there is a, right away you sense that this is somebody who is uh, into the Word of God and believes what he reads. Okay, somebody else read 9 through 16. How can a young man keep his way pure, keeping it according to your word? With all my heart I have sought you. Do not, do not let me wander from your commandments. The word I have treasured in my heart, that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimony, as much as in all riches. I will mediate on your precepts, meditate on your precepts, and will regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget you. Again, I, I mean, how does a young man keep his way pure? Keeping it according to the word. I don't let myself wander from my commandments. I treasure it in my heart. And he says in 13, with my lips I have told all the ordinances of thy mouth. He's voicing it. He's not only reading this, he's voicing these things. And uh, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies. I rejoice in the word. There's nothing but excitement in this. I, I meditate on your precepts. That's just not reading. Meditating, well, what do you do when you meditate on something? You just don't read it. You you glean from it the importance, the the power from it. You you really want to get to the root of what's being talk, talked about here. So it wasn't just a reading of it. it. He delights in it. He's He tells people about it. This makes his way pure as a young man. By staying in the Word. All right, somebody, 17 through 24. Deal bound fully with your servant, that I may live and keep your Word. Open my eyes, that I may behold wonderful things from your law. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul is crushed with longing. After your ordinances at all times, you rebuke the arrogant curse who wander from your commandments. Take away reproach and contempt from me, for I observe your testimonies. Even though princes sit and talk against me, your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies are also my delight. They are my counselors. Here again, he's, he's talking about getting everything from here. It's The word is his counselors. I don't care that they're talking crap about me. It says, my soul is crushed with longing after thine ordinances at all times. That's, that, that's beyond just a great novel right there. He's, he's conveying that he just aches to be in this. My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to thy word. I have told of my ways, and thou hast answered me. Teach me thy statutes. Make me understand the way of thy precepts, so I will meditate on thy wonders. My soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen me according to thy word. Remove the false way from me, and graciously grant me thy law. I have chosen the faithful way. I have placed thine ordinances before me. 
I cleave to the testimonies. O Lord, do not put me to shame. I shall run the way of thy commandments, for thou will enlarge my heart. And he, he just keeps on going. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I may observe thy law and keep it with all my heart. Make me walk in the path of thy commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to the testimonies, and not to dishonest gain. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity, and revive me in thy ways. Establish thy word to thy servant, as that which produces reverence for thee. Turn away my reproach, which I dread, for thine ordinances are good. Behold, I long for thy precepts. Revive me through thy righteousness. It's just a continual obsession is what I'm sensing from this writer. And he's, he's getting knowledge from the Lord. He's getting instruction. He's, he's, the Lord is creating a passion in him that's not explained any other way but by God. I'm gonna, we're gonna have to read the whole thing, but I wanna read on down here. Let me find this other spot. Um, when you get a chance to read the, through this whole thing. All right, right here, 49 through 56, I'll read that. Remember the word to thy servant in which thou hast made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction that thy word has revived me. The arrogant utterly deride me, yet I do not turn aside from thy law. I have remembered thy ordinances from of old, O Lord, and comfort myself. Burning indignation has seized me because of the wicked who forsake thy law. Now, now he's got this passion about getting in the, the word, and basically he says he's disgusted by the evil who don't even touch the Bible. Basically, that, that's my, my interpretation. He says, he's basically saying, How, who are these people that don't even pursue your word? They forsake your law. They disgust me. Thy statutes are my songs in the hope of my pilgrimage. O Lord, I remember thy name in the night. And keep thy law. This has become mine, that I observe thy precepts. And he can tell you, as I lay down to go to sleep, your word is in me. I mean, how, how many how many verses is this, Cass? How much? No, how many is there total? 176. And the tone doesn't change. It, it's He's just going on and on to the point where you're going, good grief. Uh, verse 71, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn thy statutes. He is talking about his whole life right here. His afflictions. He's, he's happy for them because I, I learned thy statutes through, through what I've been troubled with. Um, verse 81, my soul languishes for thy salvation. I wait for thy word. My eyes fail with longing for thy word. This doesn't sound like your normal reading at a church service. This guy. Uh, verse 139, my zeal has consumed me because my adversaries have forgotten my words. Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget thy precepts. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. And thy law is truth. <clears throat> he, we'll take, well, we'll just go, keep going. But my whole point in all this is if you read all of 119, everything in here revolves around the written word of God. Hmm. 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 
Oh. But the the whole point in all this is your walk with God. The the whole deal is it is that simple. If you can find a way to start reading the Word of God to where you're not reading the Word of God, that as you read it, you have an expectancy of revelation. You have an expectancy of feeling His presence. You have an expectancy you you have something in you that starts drawing you more into it because you want to learn who he is it becomes passion it becomes my whole world's coming undone i can hide in here and i can, and once i get in here all that stuff fades away because it is so unimportant anymore you start learning reverence of what of what God really is, you, you don't. You know, it was. Uh, I was reading in Ephesians two, and there's so much scripture in there talking about the fullness of Christ, kind of that displacement. He says your coarse gesturing will start to fade, basically. Your foul mouth will will, will maybe go away. Those kind of things are displacement with the Spirit of God. And that's what this book is. It's it's the Spirit of God. You know, and, and I was going to have a conversation with everybody. So we're going to start changing the tone in here a little bit. We're going to be a little bit more reverent. Sometimes it becomes too much shoot the breeze and uh, not revere God, not give God his worship. Through his worship, he will reveal things that, that that we will never understand. We'll just know it to be true. It's just he has always wanted a people to worship him in spirit and truth. That's what Jesus said. That's what God's after. The people who will worship him in spirit and truth. And basically what he's saying is somebody who buys all in. Somebody who says... There are things in here that I just don't understand. But I have been in here enough to know and understand the persuasion of the Holy Spirit to know that you are true, God. And that you will reveal that truth and you will make it known to me at some point. But until then, I have the faith that you said I'm going to be the father of many nations. I have that faith. I have that trust in you because I'm getting it in here. It's it's really the mathematical solution to everything in your life. Any affliction you have, any illness you have, any misunderstanding you have, anything you lack, anything you look to gain will come from this. It is that simple. So from now on, when we come here, no phones, just the Bible, just the Bible. It's important to open it up. You have to actually take a step. You have to actually consciously go get it because you don't have it attached to your hip. I suggest you take your phone and go put it away from you, maybe even turn it off and give God the reverence that he deserves. Give him your whole meditation. Give him... Everything you are for that amount of time, no matter, even if it's five minutes, get in there. Don't depend on your husband to read the Bible. Don't depend. You know, I bet you there have been so many women of God who have married derelict husbands, who've been drunken, bar goers, and everything else, 
But there have been a lot of those women who have been so faithful in the Word that they get in here and they read and they read and they read and they just believe in God till those men have turned their lives over to God, sometimes at the end of their life. But I believe it was because of their faith that they stayed in here. That's all they had. They didn't depend on some shrink somewhere to get them through their problems. They got in here to this shrink. This is the one who who, who sheds the light on everything. And, and I'm not kidding. I, I'm not even close to where I want to be. But I actually, you know, he says his soul's crushed to... Uh, to learn his statutes, that's the way I feel. I, if I'm not in here every single day, I am inside, I am in turmoil. That's no joke. Total turmoil. Because it's not like I'm rejecting reading. It's like I'm rejecting the friendship I've established with God. I have said, everything else in my life is more important than you today. And I'm not saying that to put condemnation on you. Hopefully I'm saying it to put conviction in your heart. Because I'm not lying. I mean, this is true. This It, it is true. It has become that much of an obsession to me to get to know God. And this is the avenue to do it. There is not one thing in your life, not one thing in your life that you can't find solution for here in some way. If you just read Proverbs every day, read, read stuff out of Proverbs, it'll blow your mind. Solomon, I believe, wrote Proverbs. And that was one of the things that God anointed Solomon with was wisdom. You know, he's the one, I don't know if you guys have heard the story where where uh, the two women came to him with the baby. And they were both claiming possession of the child, right? I'm the mom. I'm the mom. And he's chopping in half. Yep, and the mom said, no, the other one can have it. Yep, he knew who that, That's what... That's what he did. He brought the the baby. They both said we're the mother, and Solomon says, "Cut the child in half. Give give it peace to each one." And the real mother says, "No, let her have it." So, so he so he knew who the real mother was, the one who said, "Let him have it." So he did. He made deals with uh, probably every known country in the in the world at that time. He married. And a lot of those deals involved taking a wife. It was just the custom back then. <clears throat> he probably had a thousand wives. But in his reign, Israel had more more wealth probably than any nation ever. With all the gold and everything. He was able to build the temple with all that and the proceeds from all that. So the, the Lord gave him real wisdom, and I believe he wrote Proverbs. I'll have to look into that, but I'm almost positive he did. But you read Proverbs, and it's, he'll say some of the simplest things that are just so true if we would live our life that way. It would be easy. And and that came from God. Every bit of that wisdom came from God. God gave it. it, it he wasn't born with all these abilities. God blessed him with that. That's what he told David he was going to do with him. So just reading Proverbs alone will blow your mind. talks about how you should hold your tongue and d d d just one thing after another. But the, the simplicity of this, I can't emphasize enough how much you will find God by reading this. <clears throat> there has been, there's other sources out there, there's other letters from Polycarp and different ones that are that are blessed and all those kind of things. Um, the details of, of them putting this together, they went into a lot of prayer and, and, and meditation when they decided what went in here as the canon. And I believe that was anointed of the Lord, although I believe there were other writings that are anointed too that didn't make it in here. But I think it was God's God's plan 
to to have what we have here because everything we need is right here. But it is it is just astronomical how much you'll move through here if you read it searching for Christ. Try to find him in everything you read and it will blow your mind. It will give you peace. It will give you joy. It will give you that passion I'm talking about. It will move you to a new level of a walk with God that you can not even fathom. And it's the simplest thing there is. And all the truth is right there, hidden in plain sight. And just because we become so busy, we neglect the easiest, simple fix in our whole life right here. So if you could just start out making yourself. um, I might even send out a list of different scriptures to read about different things that you can read during the week. And... uh, but but don't don't read don't read it just to read it read it like okay pray before you read it say God show me yourself here show me yourself and you'll be amazed the mysteries that unfold you know that that the whole Old Testament Paul writes in Ephesians let me see here. You've got to understand that the whole New Testament didn't exist. When Paul and Peter and all the apostles were, were preaching in this New Testament church, they were writing this. It didn't exist. Um, there was something I read in here. Though. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administrative administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heaven and things upon the earth, in him. Also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. Now, We get on here. There was something else too about the mystery. Okay, that by revelation there was made known to me. Now, but now I'm talking about Paul. He says this mystery was made known to him. You know how it was made. Jesus wasn't standing next to him, saying, "Paul, this is the mystery that was hidden." He he through reading the law. The Lord, the Holy Spirit met him and unfolded this revelation from reading the law, from reading the Bible, the Old Testament. He got all this from reading the Old Testament. That by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. And by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit, 
to be specific that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things in order that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. He's talking about the mystery of Christ, the body of Christ, the many-member body of Christ. He goes on to talk about where, where all the dividing wall is taken down. We're all through Christ. We're all one. We're all one body. He got all that from the Old Testament. He understood what God was doing with Israel in the wilderness and how that was an example of his body coming forth and, and the different administrations that they had, the different gifts that each one of them had and brought to the tribe and brought, brought to the whole nation. And he, he gleaned every bit of that from this and wrote, the, and wrote that revelation down. Same with Peter, James, all of them. It all came from reading the Word of God. Now, Jesus instructed a lot of the apostles when he was here, but it really it was almost like they were even veiled to some degree to the extent of after he left. And after he brought poured the Holy Spirit out, then they really started understanding these mysteries of the Old Testament. Peter himself said, hey, all those things, uh, it, and in Hebrews it says, every bit of the, the, the temple, every bit of the, the altar, all those things were just mere shadows of Christ Jesus and his, and his church. And, and they go and start expounding those things. Every bit of that was because they had a passion for the Word of God. And God started un unveiling those things that were hidden right there in front of all those other generations. It says right here that uh, it says which in other generations was was made was not made known to the sons of men. So these guys with the impartation of the Holy Spirit were able to grab those very things all these generations had read for years and years and years and not got the truth that was really there. They got some truths, but not all the truth. I say that to say this, that if you think for a moment that God unveiled every mystery that there will ever be to these apostles who wrote the New Testament, then you have really put limitations on the God of creation. Because I believe he's going to continue through the reading of this to start unveiling more mysteries than you could ever imagine. And none of it is contrary to what's here now. It's just expanded and unveiled. So think of not reading this as missing out on what God might reveal to you as a friend. As, as your walk with God, think of the things that he may show you. And it may be as simple as a certain way you've been living your life and how it has been detrimental to your maturity and your relationship with God and how he reveals it to you through this word. And now you've displaced that with this. And you have been moved into a new level, a new walk with God where you know his voice even more. And it becomes an obsession to know more. Uh, I heard uh, Dennis Peacock say one time, he said, you have no idea. He said, when we get through the end of the age and, and we're communing with God, you might be in the standing next to the plan, planning room with with God the Father and Jesus, and you hear them talk about something that just blows you away for 10,000 years. What about after that 10,000 years? It's going to be a continual thing. This is the God of creation. He's the one who made everything out of nothing. 
And he just wants us to love him and worship him. That's what he wants. Just having a passion to get in here to know him is, in fact, worship to him. Because he's saying, yeah, this, these guys get it. They want to know me. They love me enough, they want to know me. They want to know my attributes. They want to know who I am. That's what this is about. So, the simple thing is this. We will continue to talk about those deeper things, but we can't exclude the most simple and the most important, and that's getting into the Word of God. Plain and simple. Anybody got anything? I'm gonna put Ben on the hot seat. He's gonna he's gonna bring the lesson next week. Okay. <laughs> Everybody bring coloring books and crayons. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and Billy knows, and if if Joey was here, he would tell you the same thing. And when I asked him to do that, yeah, it's probably a little uncomfortable. But I bet both of them would tell you that it made them made them get into here, which ended up being probably more of a blessing to them than they ever could have realized. Because they had to they had to get in there and, and unravel their relationship with God a little bit by getting in here. And there is no there is no limitation, man, on where you are with Jesus Christ, whether you were saved yesterday or thirty years ago. God, you can't put, if you put limitations on yourself, you're putting limitation on God himself. He can unveil deep, heavy things to you that some 40-year-old Christian who's went to church every single day, sat in that pew, never done anything else could ever imagine. Just because of your passion towards God. You will, you probably know anybody that first turns their heart over to God is eager. They want, this is, yeah, I feel something here. This is real. I want to go pursue this thing. And they oftentimes will blow some bench uh, sitter away because they've got that new passion. The way you keep that new passion is staying in here. That's how you keep it. Not by going there letting somebody else do the gig for you. Plain and simple. It's just, you know, I, I've had, I had a conversation with somebody not too long ago. Well, I just need him there every every week so he can so he can have the foundation. I said, "Well, what's the foundation?" I always hear everybody talk about the foundation. They got to have the foundation. What's the foundation? Well, when I read the Bible, it says the foundation is was is built on the apostles and prophets for one. So, what are you talking about, foundation? You sit here in the pew, sit on your phone the whole time. That's your foundation. What, what's your foundation? Tell me. Scripturally, what's the foundation? Nobody has a clue. The foundation is Jesus Christ. He's the head. You get into him. You get to know him. You get into this Bible. That's what you need to do. If you're the head of your household, it's your responsibility to teach those kids right there. They need they, they need to be taught something every time you sit down at a meal. Did I do that? Not very well. Not at the meal, but you did everything else. But I, I, I did basically, I think every one of my kids will tell you that they've heard something from the Bible ever since they can remember. That's the foundation. Put the Word of God in your kids. Talk to them about it. Teach them about it. I guarantee you every one of my kids can tell you stories about the Feast of Tabernacles and different things like that a hundredfold more than they will tell you that they heard some Bible story at church. I guarantee you. It's your responsibility. And that's what the Bible teaches. It says that if you're the father of your house, 
It's up to you to teach your children. You put that word in them at an early age and you continue to do it. It didn't say you had to be perfect. It said get the word of God in them. That's, that's your responsibility. So when you're raising your kids, teach them. You know, we probably need to bring these kids into this service a little more somehow and get them engaged. But but the basic responsibility lies on Billy with his two kids. When you guys have kids, it relies on Ben. It relies on Chance. You're the head of the household. That's the most important thing you can do is get the Word of God in these kids. That's what's going to save them when they get into perils of of adolescence and everything else. Doesn't mean they're not going to screw up, but if they have that instilled in them, they will they will get that check. They'll get that check from the Holy Spirit. And quite frankly, that's what saves them. That's what that's what puts an immunity around them to some degree is how you bless them with the word of God. I I know for a fact that the only reason why I'm probably alive is because of my parents. I, I mean, I could tell you story after story where I should have died. One of the biggest, and I, I'll never forget this, I was a kid, probably eight years old. Lived in Needles, California, and at the time, Interstate 40 hadn't been finished yet. So the main road was... was uh, Old Highway 66. That was the main thorough from Chicago all the way to uh, Los Angeles. And in Needles, Old 66 was a four-lane highway right through the middle of town. Semis, I mean everything. I mean, you could. It's just like inter, it was just like 25 running through the middle of your town. And uh, I had a flat. I had getting a flat tire on my bike, and I used to go down to this gas station to get air in my in my bike. And uh, I had my buddy next door. I go, hey, let, i got to go to the gas station get the air and tire. He goes, let's go. So we're, just like kids, we're racing. I'm racing, I'm pedaling, I'm pedaling. And all of a sudden, I look back, and he stopped. He goes, whoa, whoa, he stopped. And I look up, and I'm in the middle. Tons of traffic all the time. I remember seeing a semi quarter mile down, that's the only car I saw. You know, a kid, oh, well, I'll pull in, I get my air and go on. He goes, dude, you're crazy, you could have got killed, you know, my buddy. Years later, I was telling, telling that story to my mom and dad. And my dad <coughs> kind of went white. He had had a dream I was hit by that <laughs> and he and he prayed about it. Now that's weird, but that's the kind of thing you do, man. You just you you put a covering over your kids. It goes way beyond your responsibility with God. It's your responsibility to your family. You stay in the Word, and you just you just pray for them, and you you keep that immunity over them. And uh, sometimes it'll be a goofy dream, but sometimes it'll just be a nag. Ah, okay, fine. I'll pray about it. But that's the way God does it. You know, he doesn't just come up to you and materialize and say, hey, you need to pray for your son because he's going to get hit by a truck if you don't. It doesn't work that way. It's a It's a faith deal. Not that he wouldn't and he won't eventually, but until then... Pay attention. When you when you get into the word, you start you start sensing things that aren't that may not you may not be able to put your thumb on. What's it going to hurt to pray about it? What would it ever hurt? It it, it makes no difference. You know, I there's not too long ago I, I told you a story. I, Mike was on my mind, bugging me, bugging me, bugging me. I went over to his house twice to check on him, make sure he's okay. Evidently, everything was fine. What did I lose by doing that? Not a thing. If he'd have been in some kind of peril or maybe mentally needing something, I could have intervened maybe. 
Evidently, nothing was was there. I don't care. I, I, I felt that nudge, so I did it. Prayed and the whole nine yards. That happens all the time. It, you start learning. You, you know, you read stories. Elijah. He was running from Jezebel. He gets in this cave, and there's a whirlwind. Oh, I mean, just all chaos going on. And he hears the still, small voice of God in that chaos. And that that's the lesson in there. Your whole world can be going to hell around you. But if you're tuned in to God, you'll hear a still, small voice in all that chaos. Those are the kind of things that you're taught in this in these scriptures. It's not some profound thing for some philosopher. It's for everyday Joe. That's who this Bible was written with, mostly. David had a huge sensitivity towards the Lord. He had a reverence beyond reverence. I mean, he, he was on his na- knees when he screwed up in a heartbeat with true repentance. And he pursued God with, with all the love of his heart. No matter what, it was about to honor God. You can look at his screw-ups, and he had plenty of them all day long. But that's not what I see in David. I see somebody who was a man after God's own heart. That's what God says. He had that reverence. He had that, you say anything against God, I'm going to cut your head off type attitude. And yet you kind of sense that in that psalm where he, where he felt disgust for those people who didn't get in the word. They just, bad. Ah, no big deal. So from now on, this Bible study... You guys got questions, you got input, I want it out of this scripture, because that's where the truth is. I don't care about no opinions. Opinions mean nothing, unless it comes from the scripture. Plain and simple. Because if you're bringing me your opinions without scripture, that means you're not in the scripture, and you're just wasting my time. You're wasting everybody else's time, because you're irrelevant. You're irrelevant. But on the other side of the coin, if I'm just getting started... No, 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 no. I, I said, I said opinions. I don't want to hear some philosophical opinion, worldly opinion about something that's not scripturally based. There's a difference between that and you saying, well, what about this? Well, what about this area? And then we can bring scripture into that into that situation. You know what I mean? There's a difference between, well, uh, Confucius says that uh, if you go up on the mountain for 30, I don't want to hear that crap. I I don't want to hear that crap. It has nothing to do with God. I don't want to hear, Joe Blow said that that, uh, we're in a time of blah, blah, blah. Well, where did he base that on? His opinion? I don't care about his opinion. I want it out of here. On the other hand, if you're going, hey, man, I'm struggling with this, I don't understand, that's different. We can bring Scripture into that into that situation. But then again, it doesn't matter how new Christian you are. If you're into this Word, you can, you can bring scriptural questions that you've read right into this. You know, there, there are solutions for everything. And that doesn't mean I'm going to have a specific answer for every problem you have. I mean, I have a specific answer for it, but we have the means to get there through the Word of God. But my main thing with this is, this isn't just for knowledge. It's for building a relationship with God Himself, with Christ. That's what this is. He will, the more you stay into it, the more He will give you desire. The more He will give you passion to get into it. The more he will give you an unsettled feeling when you're not in there. He does that. It's, it's that theory of displacement again. The more you bring him into it, the more you dispel the, the, the crap in your life. The more the things that you thought were important are not important anymore. The easier it will be to lay your phone on the table when you come to Bible study as to sneak in that ding ding. You know, <laughs> so you know what I mean. I mean, I mean, I, I watch, I watch some of you. 
I mean, the phone vibrates or something, you're going. Hurry, look away. I've got to check, I've got to check this like it's life and death. And if somebody said, hey, have you seen TikTok so-and-so? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I'm dead serious. I mean, good grief. I, you know, like when I'm a worker in service or something, I'm looking forward for the day because I'm about to fall asleep. But, uh, but when you come to meet God, for goodness sakes, leave that crap out of it. It is distracting, and it it can be a tool. Like I said, I'll use mine to do a word search or something if I'm if I'm out and about and I, I don't have the Bible with me. But when I start reading the Word of God, that phone's gone. Because I guarantee you, the devil will will Facebook you to death and TikTok you to death anytime you start in it. I guarantee it. Anything to get you from you showing reverence. Oh, I do it too, but I don't do it when I'm reading the Bible. I do read the Bible, actually. Do you? I don't know where to start. It's too complicated. Open it up. Yeah, open. Just open it and start reading. No, but you should send this like. It's that simple. Well, you did. 